Hey, listeners, welcome back to Dismantling Injustice, where we are continuing our Pride series. And today we're joined by Gabrielle Inez Souza, the executive director of the Okra Project. We discuss the barriers facing Black trans folks, why mutual aid is necessary to remove these barriers, and why we must continue to invest in Black trans joy. So when we come back, we'll be talking to Gabrielle. Gabrielle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Carl. I'm excited. I've heard so much about the Okra Project, um, especially over the last couple of years, but I've never met anyone that works at the Okra Project. And so I'm excited to just um, absorb all of your knowledge um, and your energy. So could you just start by telling us a bit about yourself and how you came to the work that you do at the Okra Project Absolutely. Um, first, I also, I again, I want to say thank you for having me, Carl. It's such a pleasure to be here. Um, I think it's also just very important that Black trans femmes like myself who are leading the work are given platforms like this to, to speak about it freely and openly um, to get the message out there. So thank you. My name is Gabrielle Inez Souza. Um, I'm actually originally from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, spent a lot of time during my summers growing up in Houma, Louisiana with my extended family. Um, so Midwest and Southern roots all run through my blood and through my veins. Um, and I moved to New York to work with the Oka Project about a year and a half ago. Um, I was actually already doing some advocacy work and putting together events that would benefit my community in St. Louis and throughout the Midwest. Um, and the Oka Project took notice of that. The Oka Project team at the time took notice of that. And they uh, wanted to interview me for a position here at the Oka Project back in November 2021. And I happened to take that position. And I had to move also to New York. So uh, that is basically what brought me to the Oka Project. My own advocacy work that I was doing, being recognized for it on a national scale. And then them saying basically like, hey, we love what you're doing. We would love for you to come and work with us. That's amazing. And can you tell us a little bit about what the Okra Project does? Yeah, the Okra Project is a mutual aid collective. Um, at baseline, I love to describe it in a way as we redistribute wealth. That's basically what we do to Black and Brown trans individuals. Um, our motto is Black Trans Femmes to the Front. We take donations. We we make partnerships with with companies and businesses that want to support, learn about our work, and uplift our work. Um, and we just redistribute that wealth to the community that needs it the most. Why is mutual aid, you know, why is it important? Why is it an essential strategy to support Black trans folks um, in the U.S.? You know, when you think about the Black trans community, the Black trans and queer community, that community is a sub-community of just the Black community as a whole. And, and, you know, over these last couple of years, you know, with Trump in office and all these other things, we talk about the disparities that, that Black people face. But then we have to take it a step further and we really have to dig into and dive deeper into the fact that Black trans and queer individuals are also at the bottom of that totem pole, right? So they're not receiving resources. They don't have access to health care. Um, they don't have fair access to housing and things like that. Um, so the work that we do here is to, in, 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 in full transparency, I, I say that the work that we do, while it is great, it is really just a, a Band-Aid, right? Mm -hmm. um, in my advocacy and work, you know, I'm outside of spreading the wealth and providing resources. I'm also fighting, 
you know, laws and legislature and, and, and speaking to government officials to make sure that we can get access to the things that the, the community needs. Um, so with that being said, to answer your question more directly, like the community is not receiving the things that they need from the powers that be. And so oftentimes what you will see in the beauty, I think, of the Black trans and queer community is that we are able to take care of each other and uplift each other. And we are able to receive resources and then spread them amongst our community in order to take care of one another. So I think mutual aid is important in that aspect because we already know, you know, the, the wagon, so to speak, to save us isn't coming and we don't know when it will come. But what we do know to be true is that we can rely on our allies and our community to support one another. I totally hear you. And um, you know what I appreciate? And we've, we've talked to a couple of mutual aid collectives on this podcast, organizations like Okra Project step in both where like the government isn't doing its job, but also has to do that double thing of like also fighting the government to get the resources as well. So it's like, you know, you, you know, we have to have us. Yeah, we have to, it's imperative. I think when we think about black trans and queer liberation, it's really imperative to really lean into community and, and create these, these social safety nets, so to speak of mutual aid that, that keep us safe, keep us together, um, and really just su- supporting one another. Absolutely. Now, I know you said that you're new to New York. The Okra Project is the national organization, but I'd love to hear just, you know, in your time as, as a New Yorker, what are some of the specific needs and barriers that you've seen facing Black trans New Yorkers specifically? You know, when I came to the Okra Project, not being a New Yorker, um, it, I thought I found it to be very important for me to gain some insight to the community. And while I knew certain community members that stayed here via social media or um, through campaigns and things we may have worked together on in the past, I really didn't have a close ear to the community in the way that I wanted to, to really make sure that my work and the programs that I was creating would be effective um, and helpful. And that is one of the things I, I think that we do pride ourselves here with at the Oka Project. We are always keeping an ear to the ground and, and remaining um, in and with communities so we can learn the needs. And so what I did coming to New York is I went on this kind of like, I guess you could call it like a, a media tour kind of sort of, um, in which I set up conversations with local community activists and leaders here, um, explain my new position um, explained my vision for what I had for the Oka Project, what I had already been doing back home in St. Louis, um, and really just asked, you know, those really pressing questions of what does the community here need? Um, I think when I entered the Oka Project, it was at a pivotal time to where Oka was reestablishing itself within the community. Um, and so, yeah, it was imperative for me to have these conversations and learn about what community, what community needed baseline. And, and that's been pivotal to the success of Okra now and our current programming. That's also been pivotal to my success and important to my success here at the Okra Project is really just keeping that line of clear communication with the people uh, that we're serving in our constituents. That makes sense because, you know, we New Yorkers, we know like if you come in as a stranger and you just tell us what we need, we're not going to listen. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I, yeah. I and I think that I didn't want to step on any toes. There's so many other great organizations out here that 
um, are doing great work within the community. And uh, when I think about the work that collectives like the Ochre Project do, um, you want to make sure, at least to me, I not only want to support my sister organizations, but I want to make sure that we're addressing the, the issue at all the, the roots, right? And so that means like if one organization is doing food outreach, then there's really no reason for me to do food outreach here at Okra. Um, I can then pivot to something else that's not being addressed because every organization that I have come across and I've learned in the same way that Okra does, we all have our own niche. So yeah, it's yep. really important to just really talk to people. That totally makes sense. Now, outside of being, um, you know, a mutual aid project, you all do a lot of fantastic and dynamic programming at the Okra Project. Um, recently, you all concluded the 2023 Black Trans Joy Fund. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about why is investing in Black Trans Joy so critical for individual and collective liberation? I think, and and I'll start this off by speaking from my own experience. Um as a Black trans fam, I think that experiencing joy really affirms that I'm Black, I'm trans, I'm deserving. I reject pedestals, I reject objectification, I reject isolation, and I receive community and warmth and commitment to a transformative life experience for myself and my Black trans siblings. And I think that is is important when we think about Black trans joy, and especially for me, but I think the second part about that is Black trans joy is really just getting your needs met, having community, knowing that you're cared for, feeling like you're cared for, feeling like you're seen, you're heard. Um, I experience I experienced Black trans joy, you know, in person with one of my sister organizations here, Black Trans Liberation Kitchen here in Brooklyn, New York, um, that put together these communal events of just love and Black trans joy where you get to see so many Black trans and queer people share space with one another. And and there's food and there's meals and you really just see the happiness and and the joy on people's faces just from being fed and also being able to, to see community members and speak to community members. And so when we created the Black Trans Joy Fund, you know, it was created in this way that we, yes, we are providing you with this amount of money for a stipend, but that also means that you can use it on whatever it is that brings you joy. So if that means taking yourself out to dinner, um, going to get your nails done, buying you that, buying yourself that shirt that you've been eyeing online, you know, at whatever store that it is that you like, buying yourself a book, um, you know, things like that, I think are rooted in, in Black trans joy and, and liberation, just having our needs met. Um and being provided avenues that we are able to kind of have control over what that looks like and being able to being able to do something nice for ourselves or being able to have someone else do something nice for us. I can't tell you how the amount of messages after the Black Trans Joy Fund that we got that people were just like, this really helped me out in this way. Um, and it's just so beautiful to witness that and, and get those messages and receive those messages from people who have received the help. So um, as far as the investment into Black trans joy, it's very powerful. It's very meaningful. Um, and, and it's necessary. That's just so amazing because 
So often when we, you know, like in definitely with the government, but even nonprofits, when they set up these funds, they give you money and it's like, you have to use it for this purpose or you have to, this is housing assistance. This is assistance for food. This is for clothing. But really what you all did was like, this is for your happiness and your peace and your joy. And you go do whatever you want or need to do with it. And that's, um, you know, I, I feel that's just really, really meaningful. Thank you. Yeah. And I, you know, even we really don't, you know, there's some other organizations out there that are set up in a way like you spoke to that's like, oh, well, like, you know, this, this type of support that we're giving you is for your rent. And then they may, you know, ask for a receipt from you paying for that rent or may ask for, you know, eviction notice letters and things like that. And and what I think a lot of those organizations miss the mark on is not only are you creating the same hurdles and hoops that the government creates for us to receive assistance and joy and, and support, um, but you're also re-traumatizing people. I mean, you think yeah. about it, if you're already houseless or on the brink of being houseless because you didn't make your rent or can't make your rent, I can't tell you like, you're probably already in a state of shock, embarrassment, shame, you know, however you may be feeling, then to have to dig that up and provide it to someone that you don't know on the other side that may be judging you or things like that, just, it is Mm -hmm. just adding another layer of trauma. So here at the Ochre Project, we really, while we do have to operate within guidelines, you know, like W9s and things like that, um, we, we try to make it as simple and easy as possible that we just want to provide resources and assistance for you to utilize it in, in whatever way that you may need. Even if you applied, you know, to the, to the food pantry program, you know, or stipend program, if you know that there's something else that you could use that on like a utility bill, I personally want you to utilize that on a utility bill, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it creates that 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 level of, of freedom too to it, you know, and really just in the investment of Black trans joy and liberation, and and access, and resources. So, what else do you all have on the horizon? What other initiatives and programs does the Okra Project have um, in the oven? You know, I'm always constantly. I will say, shout out to my program manager Max Regano. Um, who we have had on staff since September of 2022. Um, And he and I work collectively to create programs. Again, it's about keeping our ear to the ground and really hearing the needs of our community. So some of the programs that you all have already seen at the Oka Project, such as our rental assistance, our utility assistance programs, those are what we call our legacy programs. Uh, meaning that those are programs that will run year round around the same time of the year. Um, we create, you know, a program calendar that goes out to 2024. Um, but there's always new partnerships that are that are coming in. You know, we just had a partnership with with Dig right here. I think it's Dig is right here in New York, and maybe I think NDC in the Baltimore area, possibly. Um, and, you know, they're, they're taking in donations, but they're really food centered. So when I think about programs and, and partnerships and things like that, I'm really intentional about the things that I do here at the Oak Project to make sure that they're in alignment with our, our mission, our values, um, and what we stand for here. So 
I think you'll see, so to answer your question, Kyle, you'll see the legacy programs that you've seen, of course, because I think those are things that are always needed within our community. But here and there, we do have a couple of programs that we do kind of, uh, which I call ad hoc programming, uh, where we create something special. Um, you know, we just had the Flowers Fund release, which is, you know, a fund honoring, you know, leaders. Um, it is not lost on me that, you know, the Black trans femmes, you know, that, that lead the work of liberation. Um, a lot of times that we are creating resources and things like that, it is not far from fact that we also need those same resources that we're creating. Um, so really pouring back into community into that way, into the leaders um, of mutual aid collectives and, and activists and leaders and community that are really grounded in and doing this work and making sure that they are also supported so that they can continue to do this work. So yeah, I just say stay tuned and see what we have. We always have some things up our sleeves. Uh, this Pride season has also been very, very busy. We had a magical moment on Monday where the Stonewall Inn and Cabaret and Broadway um, singers hosted an event to, for the benefit of the Yoka Project, which was really, really, really phenomenal and really, really great. And it was really surreal to be, I think, at the Stonewall Inn with an event benefiting an organization that I run as a Black trans woman, and we all know how Stonewall started, you know, with, with the brick being thrown and Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera and all those wonderful Black individuals who really kicked off the liberation movement. Um, it was really special to, to be in that space and be supported um, and have my work supported in the way that it was, but also celebrate Black artistry, both queer, cis, whatever. Um, and for all us to come together in that moment and, and raise funds for community. So it was pretty great. So we'll see some more events, I'm sure, down the line, too. Um, and I was really excited. How can people support and learn more about your work? So I will say we just did a total rebrand. We just wrote out a new website. If those of you listening have not had an opportunity to check out the website. It looks amazing. Thank you. Everyone always like, oh, I love the color scheme. You know, the design around the website was I wanted to make it more approachable, more easy to navigate. But I also I wanted to add some color in there that kind of like just speaks to the root of the way that I feel about the Black trans community. Um, and so they can head over to the website, theokerproject.com. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, The Ochre Project, um, to keep up with everything that we're doing. And yeah, you can donate through our website as well um, and support our work in that way. I always say when, when people ask me, like, how do we support the work that you do? You know, again, mutual aid is, is at the top of the list. Uh, putting money in the hands of the people that need it most is at the top of the list. So always I say, donate, donate, donate. If not donating to the Okra Project, then I, I really encourage others to donate to Black, trans, and queer individuals, um, GoFundMes um, for surgeries, for their hormone replacement therapy, uh, for medical or mental health assistance and things like that that they start. Um, but yeah. Open, open your wallets, open your purses, all those things. I always tell people to do that. And that's how people can support. 
Gabrielle, thank you so much for joining us. This was just incredibly like, I don't know, like I'm leaving the conversation feeling a sense of joy. <laughs> good, good. That makes me happy. You all exist that you're here doing this amazing work um, in New York um, and, and a really a sense of hope. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Kyle. Thank you so very much. Um, thank you for uplifting the work that we do here and letting me talk about what it is that I do. And also just allowing this conversation to really be a platform for Black trans and queer joy. (laughs) Thanks again for joining us. Dismantling Injustice is brought to you by Envision Freedom Fund, an organization that works to transform the immigration and criminal legal systems while meeting the critical needs of individuals impacted by these systems daily. To learn more about our work and donate, visit us at envisionfreedom.org. That's envisionfreedom.org. Dismantling Injustice was created by Sally Israel. Our executive producer is Abigail Wolf and hosted by Carl Hammett Lipscomb. That's me. Special thanks to the team at Envision Freedom for being amazing. Until we're all free, peace out. <laughs>